If you take your copy of scripture and turn to the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Last week we talked about celebrating recovery and we want to do that again this week. Uh, we're doing that in honor of that we've kicked off Celebrate Recovery Thursday night. Uh, it was a great time with a lot of people. Uh, we're excited to see how God's working in that. And we want you to see that recovery really is the theme of the Bible. And, and what we want to look at is today, I just, I've been all excited all week to be able to come and talk to you about this. This has become one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I get to talk to you about what happens when someone meets Jesus. I want you to take a moment, I want you to think about when you met Jesus. Not the first time that you heard about him, not the first story there. I want you to think about when you actually met him. I want you to think about what you were going through. I want you to think about what you were experiencing. Then I want you to think about what happened when you met Jesus. Because we're going to see a man meet Jesus today. And we're going to see Jesus do what Jesus does best. And that's to bring recovery and healing and hope and restoration to those that we would say are hopeless. In fact, I would say that as we begin to talk about this man, that you would use terms like this, he's hopeless. He's beyond help. Nobody can do anything with him. He's just stuck where he's at. He can never be free. And thank God that is not the truth. That's what people said about this man. And then Jesus walked into his life and transformed him from the inside out and made him completely new. So I'm going to give the whole sermon away. That's the point. Is that every moment that we come and we encounter Jesus, Jesus wants to make us new from the inside out. And he's the only person that can do it. He's the only person that has the power and the authority to step into our life and make changes. So in Mark chapter 5, we're going to come to a very familiar person you may have heard about. We call him the Gadarean demoniac. This guy's a little bit scary. As we kind of read up and find out about his life, again, we would think hopeless, helpless, beyond hope. I want you to hear what happens when Jesus comes into someone's life because this is what Jesus wants to do for you today. And this is why we celebrate recovery. This is why we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery because we believe that if people will meet Jesus, he will change them. So let's hear what happens when a man meets Jesus. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met Jesus. He had his dwelling among the tombs and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
And Jesus was asking him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion for we are many. He began to implore Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. There was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored Jesus saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and the country and the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened to to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore Jesus to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he said, and Jesus did did not let him, but he said to him, "Go go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And the man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Listen, we need to be reminded of the life-changing power of Jesus. We need to be reminded of that. And so today, this message is for those who think that they need it the least. Too many times we hear something like this and we have no connection and say, well, I'm not demon possessed, so this doesn't have anything to do with me. Hmm. You may not be demon possessed, but you definitely are possessed by a lot of things and many of them aren't Jesus. This is for the people who think they need it the least. This is also for the people who think they need it the most. Too many of us may feel like this man, we're just, we're helpless and we're hopeless and we're all alone and there's all these things and we're too far from God. And here's what you need to hear today. No one is too far from God. No one, no one is too far from God. And here's the thing. If there was anyone that should be too far from God, it should be this guy, right? Look at what it says about this man. Number one, it says he was a man from the tombs. How bad does your life have to get that you decide the cemetery is where you belong? Death had swallowed up his life. He had no life. All he had was death. And in fact, here's what he said. This is the only thing that I'm good for, to go live with the dead because I'm dead. He's not too far. Even though that he was a man who lived in the tombs and death had swallowed up his life, he wasn't too far. What does it say about him? It says that he had an unclean spirit. That's putting it mildly. He didn't have an unclean spirit. He had a legion of unclean spirits. He was possessed by a host of demons. Death had swallowed up this man's life. He was consumed and controlled by a host of demons. And I want to just spend just a second on this. And I want you to think about this. He had so many problems in his life that his problems were problems. I want you to think about what it would be like to be controlled by a legion of demons. Do you think they all agreed? 
Do you think they all agreed on what they were gonna do every day? No, I think this man lived in torment because every one of them was trying to be in control of his life. And how terrible is it when you have all these people trying to be in control of your life and you're not one of them? This man had so many problems. What was another thing? He could not be controlled any longer. That's one of the saddest things. It said there were times when people could control him. There were times when people could subdue him, but no longer. He had come to the point where his, his problems and his addictions and his, his chains had become so great that there was no chain that could hold him. But I want you to hear something that's very subtle in here that made me sad. The people in his life decided the best thing to do and the best way to help him was to put chains on top of chains. This man was chained by a host of demons. He had a multitude of problems in his life. And here's what the people said. Let's put more chains on you. Let's, let's chain you up even more. Let's shut you down even more. Let's oppress you even more because we're trying to help you. And too much of what recovery looks like is that. Let's just slap the band-aid of change your behavior. Just change your behavior. Here's the thing that this man shows us. Behavior modification does nothing. It is only transformation that sets us free. You can change your behaviors all you want, but unless you change on the inside, it isn't gonna work. You're just putting chains on top of chains. And how many of us show up all the time and we've painted on a good space and we've, you know, we paint on a smile and we're checking off all the boxes, but we're just putting chains on top of chains. Listen to this man's story. It doesn't work. Because you'll break those chains and you'll be in an even worse place than when you started. Death had swallowed up his life. He had a myriad of problems that were just swirling in his life that he had no control over his life whatsoever. All the things that had been tried to help him hadn't worked. We just put chains on top of chains on top of chains and now there's no chain that'll hold him. His life is completely out of control. It shouldn't be a surprise when we hear this. Verse four, or verse five, constantly night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. I, I confess many times I've read the passage and heard this story and I missed that line altogether. I was too caught up with this man who was possessed by all these demons. And I, you know, people seem to get caught up in how many demons and how what was the number? And well, we know what a Roman legion was, and you know, what was it? That's not the problem. Listen, he was constantly, day and night, screaming. Could you imagine being in a place of constant anguish and pain? Can you imagine having no hope for your life, seeing no way out of your life, and the only thing that you have is to walk around and scream because nobody wants you, everyone's rejected you, and all the things that you've done to be set free have just changed you even more? I think I would scream day and night. 
And the pain had gotten so bad that he decided the only way to give himself relief was to hurt himself even more. He was gashing himself with rocks. I bet somewhere in there he thought, you know, if I could just kill myself and die, I'd be at least free. Maybe you've read this story before and like me, you just got caught up in the possession part of it and missed the fact that there was a real human being caught in this. A real human being in constant anguish and constant pain. I want you to, to feel that. To feel what it must be like to scream all day and night for help and there's no one there to help you. And then one day something happens. Jesus in his ministry was going around and he was healing the sick and he was raising the dead and he was teaching the gospel of the kingdom that the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is going to be inside of you and it has this transformative power that's going to just set you free and break all the chains and he shows up the chain breaker the freedom bringer the peace giver now what we would look at and think that this is the ultimate duel isn't it Jesus, the son of the most high God and the legion of devils and what's going to happen. I want you to see what happens. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and he bowed down before him. The battle was over before it started. What I want you to see is the healing power of Jesus. This is what recovery really looks like. If there's anyone that thought they were too far from God, it was this man and everybody in the 10 cities around him. There's no help for this guy. There's no hope for this guy. Nobody can do anything for him. In fact, I'm sure the demons were telling him that you have no hope. You have no escape. There's no one that can help you until Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, what happened? The demons ran and fell before him, bowed down in worship. Because that's who Jesus is. Sometimes we forget how awesome and how powerful and how holy and how amazing Jesus really is. We may be like that man and think I am consumed by a legion of problems and addictions and hurt and pain and I'm hopeless and helpless. There's no one to help me. And then Jesus shows up and Jesus shows up and the man falls down. Legion runs and bows down before him. I love this. One man versus the many. If you were taking betting odds that day, most people would say Jesus didn't stand a chance because they don't understand who Jesus is. Notice Jesus didn't command him. Jesus didn't do anything. He showed up and simply by his presence, they recognized who he was and got on their face. And I love what they ask him. In fact, I love how they shout at him. What business do you have with us? Son of the most high God. See, here's the thing that demons understand that we don't, that Jesus is always taking care of business. Jesus wasn't there by accident. 
He wasn't there by coincidence. He was there by providence. Jesus had a divine appointment with that man to set that man free. And they knew it. Why are you here, Jesus? He didn't have to say anything. You know why I'm here. And notice the first thing they say. And I love this. Look at what he says. Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. That's a pretty weird request from a demon, don't you think? Do you notice what the demon asked Jesus not to do? Don't torment me. Don't torture me. Hmm, that's pretty weird because that's all you've been doing to this man all of his life. Why is it okay for you to do it to him, but you don't want it to be done to you? Now, here's the thing you need to understand. Demons have better theology than you and I do. He says, by God, I'm begging you. I'm pleading for grace. I'm pleading for mercy. Why does a demon understand they need to plead for grace and mercy from God and we don't? Do you hear the demon? In fact, a lot of demons, we beg you. We beg you by the mercy of God. Don't torture us. Now, Jesus, let me just say this. If I was Jesus at that moment, I would have gotten really upset. Who do you think I am? I don't torture. That's what you do. I don't torture. I don't condemn. I don't humiliate you. I don't humiliate. I set free. I set free. They ask another request. I implore you not to send us out of the country. They're begging and asking Jesus to not allow his kingdom to come and his will to be done in this place as it is in heaven. They're asking Jesus to do something that he cannot do. They're saying, Jesus, listen, we we don't want you to step in and take control. And he's like, sorry, that's who I am and that's what I do. Jesus, please don't come in and let your kingdom come and bring victory and power and healing. He's like, sorry, that's who I am and that's what I do. Jesus, just let us go. Sorry, I have to destroy your kingdom and build my kingdom on top of it. I beg you, I beg you, let us hold some power. And guys, you need to hear this. It doesn't matter if it's addiction. It doesn't matter if it's hurts. It doesn't matter if it's habits, hangups, whatever it is. Jesus will not allow that kingdom to stand in your life. Jesus will not allow them to be pushed to the outer edge where they have just a smidgen of control or they have a little bit of place in your life. When Jesus comes, he pushes them out. Now, why did they get upset? Why did they get angry? Why were they begging for Jesus? Because Jesus said one simple thing, come out, come out of that man and let him go. I want you to see the power of Jesus here. This is important. He says, come out of that man. It's a a single but powerful command. Jesus has absolute power and authority to speak a command and they have to listen Now here's the deal, leading up to this in Mark chapter three, Mark chapter four, and right after this in Mark chapter five, we see the power of Jesus over everything. 
Mark chapter 3, there's a storm. You know the story. They're trying to cross over to teach on the other side and, and they're in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and things get rough and the storm gets great and the disciples are freaking out and Jesus is asleep on the boat and they're like, don't you care? What are you gonna do? And when all seem lost, Jesus gets up, doesn't even really say a word. He just says, shh. And the storm stopped. Right before this, Jesus was walking through a crowd and everybody's pressing in on him because they want him to talk to them and they want him to heal him. And there was a woman who had lived 12 years with this desperate illness. She had spent everything that she had trying to find healing. And here's the deal. She just said to herself, if I can just touch the smallest part of his robe, I will be healed. And she touches him and he makes her whole. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't wave his hands. And now we have a man possessed by a legion of demons and Jesus doesn't do rituals. Jesus doesn't do prayers. Jesus doesn't call down fire for heaven. He just says, come out. And then right after this, a young girl who died. Jesus just speaks life to her. Listen. We need to bring our theology up to the level of the demons. We need to recognize that when Jesus speaks, he has the power to heal. When Jesus speaks, he has the power to make the dead live. When Jesus speaks, he has the power to set you free from everything that has chained you in your life. Listen. Jesus only has to say the word for you to be free. And can I tell you something that's not a secret, it's the most blessed and wonderful thing. He's already said it. There was a word he spoke on Good Friday. It was one word we translated as three in English, but here's the word that he spoke, tetelestai. And what that means, it is finished. Jesus has spoken the word of freedom over your life like he spoke the word of freedom over this man's life. It is finished. And I want you to see what happens. I want, you to, I want you to look at this. Jesus didn't use any crazy, you know, occult gifts or, or talismans or all these things that we like to do, the lucky rabbit's foot or my lucky coin or my lucky this. Jesus just spoke in power and set the man free. In fact, what he did is we see a man made whole. We'll come back to the pigs in just a second, but I want to focus on the man because this is the most important part of the story. Verse 15. The townspeople come running because they've heard about this crazy thing that's happened. And they get there and they want some explanation. So the people standing around give them some. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. I don't know about you, but that sounds like full recovery to me. I don't know about you, but that sounds like wholeness to me. I don't know about you, but that sounds like victory to me. These three things, 
He was sitting down. He was clothed. He was in his right mind. He was transformed from the inside out. He was sitting down. He's finally free. I mean, think about it. What did it say? He ran around the tombs day and night, screaming and cutting himself. And now he's sitting down. He's he's finally free. All the things that held him to death have now gone because life has come. Eternal, abundant, everlasting life has come and set him free. And he gets to sit down. I think it's funny that this happens because what did Jesus do after he set us free? He sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the Father to show that his work had been done. And this man sat down because his plight was over. He's free. He was clothed. He was at peace. He was finally able to have some semblance of dignity and rest. Before he ran around naked and he was covered in scars and screaming and anguish and pain, I'm sure he looked like a completely crazy person. And here he is sitting down, fully clothed. He's not screaming, he's not fighting, he's at peace. He's at peace with God. And because God made peace with him, he was at peace. And I love this. It said that he was in his right mind. What this is saying is that he was finally himself again. See, when Jesus brings recovery into our life, he doesn't just change our behavior. He doesn't just bring peace. He brings back who we really are. See, that's the thing we don't recognize when we're struggling with sin or we're struggling with addiction or we're struggling with habits or or shame or any of those things that we're struggling with. It robs us of who we really are. It robs us of who we were created to be. And here's the thing, the guy was in his right mind. He was finally back to the person that Jesus made him to be. Here's the crazy thing. Did people celebrate? Did the people celebrate? No. The the people were terribly frightened by this guy and by Jesus. Listen to this. They saw him sitting down clothed and in his right mind, the man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Isn't this a sad state of affairs that they were okay with this man living in the tombs? They were okay that he broke all the chains. They were okay that he ran around naked. They were okay that he screamed in anguish day and night. They were okay that he cut himself with rocks. They were okay until Jesus stepped in. They were more afraid of this new guy than they were of the old guy. Why is that? Well, we find out why it is. They were more concerned about their pigs than they were about this man. 
in the interaction Jesus has with Legion. Legion is trying to negotiate with Jesus and there is no negotiation. Jesus tells them it's time to go. And they say, well, please just let us do this. Just let us do this. And he says, no. And then they say, well, please just let us go on the pigs. Notice they're begging Jesus. And I love this. Jesus gave them permission. Who's in control? And when Jesus sent them out, he destroyed them. What they could not do to the man, they could not destroy him completely. They did to the pigs. They ran the pigs off the cliff and they died and the demons were gone. They were destroyed. And the people came and they see the work of Jesus in this man's life and they get scared. And here's their first response. Jesus, you need to leave. Did did you catch him say it? Let me read it to you. Verse 17, they began to implore him to leave their region. Listen, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but here's the reality. Not everybody in your life will be excited when Jesus steps into your life and brings healing. Not everybody's going to be excited. Not everybody's going to support that because here's the reality. Some people like you messed up. Some people like you enslaved. Some people like you addicted. Some people like you messed up. What they don't like is to see and be confronted that there is a holy God who loves us enough to step into our life and bring healing because when that happens, it shines a spotlight on their mess and they have to recognize that he wants to do the same for them. I was 18 years old when I met Jesus. Funny because I'd been hearing about him all my life. I grew up in church. I made a profession early on when I was a kid, didn't understand anything that I was doing, but I said the words and I prayed the prayer and I got baptized. And I learned how to play the game. As long as I was the good boy and I checked off all the boxes, people were happy for me to be who I was. They didn't care about the sin in my life. They didn't care about all the stuff that I had going on. They didn't care that day and night I was screaming out in pain and needing help and there was nobody to help me. I had a group of friends that I went with and they knew I played Christian on Sunday and Wednesday and they knew who I was every other day of the week. We were into a lot of mess. And one night in November of 1993, Jesus walked into my life. And he changed my life. And I was so excited because I felt like this man, I was finally free. I was finally at peace. I was finally who God made me to be. And then all hell broke loose. My friends walked away. I went to them and I said, guys, you're not going to believe what happened. I need to share with you what happened. And they're like, get out of here, man. I don't want to hear none of that stuff. We know who you are. You're that fake, you're that phony, you're the same guy. And, and we, we, we say in three weeks, you're gonna be back to doing the same old stuff. And they walked away. People in the church didn't wanna hear it. You would think at church, everybody would be excited when a sinner comes home. Well, they weren't because I destroyed their image of what a good boy was all about. 
because I checked off all the boxes and I did all the right things and you can check off all the boxes and do all the right things and still be lost. Didn't want to hear it. Here's what I would hear people say. You don't, you don't need to do that again. You did that already. No, I didn't. No, no, no. What I did is I said some words. I met Jesus today. I want to be made new in him. I want to proclaim that to the world. You don't need to be baptized again. Listen, when Jesus steps into your life and he brings healing to you, not everybody's going to like it, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It's been 19 years since the day I met Jesus. I proved my friends wrong. Actually, Jesus proved my friends wrong. I didn't go back. I didn't go back because I'm not the guy that I was before. So there he sat. And they tell Jesus to leave. Now, I feel so much like this guy. As Jesus was getting into the boat, verse 18, the man who had been demon possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. That makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that you would want to go with the man who had completely transformed your life, who had set you free, who had made you new, and get away from all these ignorant people who are angry. And notice that he's using the same word that the demons used. He implored him. He begged him. I want you to hear what Jesus said to this man, and he says to you, Jesus did not let him go. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. There's a forgotten aspect of recovery. I struggled with this for a long time. We want to hide who we were before Jesus set us free. We want to pretend we were not enslaved. We want to pretend we were not addicted. We want to pretend that all the things that we thought and said and felt and did, none of those things happened. And Jesus stares right in the face of that and says, no, uh-uh, go home. Here's something I think about. I wonder where this man's family was that day. I wonder what was happening in their life when they hear your husband, your father, your son is finally free. Wait, wait, what do you mean he's finally free? Is he out of the tombs? Is he coming here? Is he coming after us? No, 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 no. I saw him. He was sitting down. He was fully clothed. He was in his right mind. And this guy, Jesus, told him to come home and tell everybody. I don't want anybody to know what this guy's done. I don't want anybody to know that this was happening in our life. What a testimony. What a testimony that this man walks back into the place that he was kicked out of. This man walks back into the place that he was pushed out of. He walks back into the place where everybody had given up and he walks back in as a testimony of what Jesus can do in your life. Go home and tell everybody Tell everybody what the Lord has done. And here's the thing. Do you think he had to use a word? Do you think he had to say anything? I think him walking into town and not being an absolute crazy person was testimony enough, right? 
But Jesus says, go home and tell them. And here's the thing. He says, don't just tell them what the Lord has done. Tell them how the Lord has had mercy on you. Why? (laughs) This guy is the greatest testimony of what Jesus can do. And he, he wants to say, listen, what Jesus did for me, he can do for you. Because you're not too far from God. No one is. You're not too trapped. I mean, think about it. I was so trapped, but he had the power to set me free. And I love what happens. Verse 20. And the man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. One of the greatest parts of recovery is testimony. One of the greatest parts of recovery is testimony. You know, it's funny. We will testify about the dumbest things. We will testify about our love for our favorite sports team. We will testify about our hatred for restaurants and different things. We will testify about our love for all these things. But when God tells us to go home and tell the people what the Lord has done for you and tell them how he's had mercy on you, I'm I'm, I'm too embarrassed. Too embarrassed. See, here's the gospel call to everybody. This is what discipleship is all about. Go home. And tell everyone what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Here's the scary thing for me. I think for many of us, the reason that we don't tell anybody is we have nothing to tell. I lived in the church and as a Christian for 11 years. I'd pray to prayer. I got baptized. I was on the church roll. I went to Sunday school. I went to youth group. I did all the things. But here's the, I had nothing to tell. I had nothing to tell because Jesus had never changed me. For 19 years now, I have had something to tell. I have had something to tell. I want to tell you what the Lord has done and how he had mercy on me and he'll have mercy on you. Listen. Has Jesus done anything in your life? Has he? If he has, let's start telling some people about it. I can't imagine the look on that guy's face when he got to walk back into town and look people in the eye who had written him off, who had said, there's no hope for you. There's nobody that can help you. And he walks back in straight and he's there in his right mind. He says, hey, I got a story to tell you. I got a story to tell you. You need to hear it because what Jesus did for me, he'll do for you. So here it is. Do you need Jesus to bring recovery in your life today? The offer is open. Jesus is here and he's saying, come, come. He's already spoken the word of freedom. He just wants us to respond to him. What has Jesus asked you to do that you're not doing? It's sad. 
I hear people all the time say, well, I wasn't healed from demons, so I have no testimony. Hmm. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus takes you from death to life. That's a testimony. Jesus takes you from a sinner and makes you a child. That's a testimony. Jesus wipes away your debt and gives you new, abundant, eternal, everlasting life. That's a testimony. Listen, don't let your enemy rob you of what Jesus has asked you to do. Here's the challenge today. Go home and tell everybody what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a God of healing. That you are a God of grace. That you are a God of mercy. And that you step into our life when we're the most desperate, when we're the most broken, when we feel hopeless and helpless, you step in and say, come out or come alive or you are forgiven. Father, I pray today that we'd hear these words. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are set free. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed and you are at peace and you are at rest. Father, help us to believe that and to run, run to you today and fall down before you like the demons did and let you work in our life. It's in the powerful and holy and precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.